You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Hal Schurz. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. And every week, we bring you the information that doctors are talking about in doctor's lounges all across the country. Our um, show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country. We um, are fighting for your healthcare freedom and for the doctor-patient relationship. Go to our website at wwwd 4 number 4 pcfoundation.org or just Google Docs for Patient Care Foundation and and read about um, what we're doing and what we are talking about. I'm happy to tell you about the um, uh, meeting that I have teased on the last couple of shows. It is all set for March 14th to 16th, 2024. Um, it is in Orlando. The meeting is going to be the best one that we've ever done, and we've done now um, five of these uh, conferences. And this, I think, is shapes up to be absolutely uh, the best yet. We've got um, a uh, great keynote speaker lined up in uh, Marty McCary, and we are uh, putting together a program that anyone who is thinking about direct primary care in um in uh in primary care or direct care direct primary care or any kind of uh, direct care should consider coming to this uh meeting we've got a fantastic uh program that we are constructing right now and it is uh I'm it's, I'm excited. It's, I think it's going to be the absolute best conference that we've ever done because we have so much lead time to put this together. So I, I encourage you to go to our website if you're um, a physician um, or uh, you are a um, administrator who is uh, working for a physician in direct care, or if you're a medical student who uh, is thinking about direct primary care, this is the meeting for you. So uh, please uh, check this out and make plans to come to this. There's early bird um, uh, sign-up uh, discounts, so please uh, check this out and and uh, make every effort to come to this meeting. You will not be disappointed. So I, I said that this show is about what doctors talk about among themselves in doctors' lounges. And I find myself unable to think about health care issues these days um, in uh, light of what has been happening in the Middle East. And I am compelled to take um, host prerogative today and talk about um, the... the uh, Situation that's happening in the Middle East, in the world, in this country. Um, it is uh, something that is consuming me and so many other people that I know who are American Jews. 
and it is something that needs to be said and people need to wake up. I have some areas of concern, which I'll lay out for you right now, and then we'll cover them as we go along. But first, um, the first area is the Middle East situation. What happened uh, almost uh, two weeks ago um, on uh, October 7th? Um, I'm going to talk about the rising and unmasking of anti-Semitism around the globe. Um, We'll talk about what is happening on college campuses around the country. We'll talk about our porous southern border and how that creates a clear and present danger for every American right now in this country. And then finally, Iran and how um, they are the um, the linchpin in this entire escapade. It is difficult to express the revulsion that I and so many people harbor about what happened on October 7th in southern Israel by Hamas terrorists. What they did was criminality of the worst possible kind. And that doesn't even express how horrifying this was. It was cruel. It was barbaric. It was the very definition of depravity. These terrorists were no different than ISIS. And let me just digress for a second. They are worse than ISIS. The um, There's a book that, if you have not read this book, you should, if you want to have any opinion about what's going on in the Middle East with Hamas and Hezbollah and all of these Iranian proxies. The book is called Son of Hamas and it was written by Mossab Hassan Youssef and he was raised by one of the founders of Hamas and he was a Hamas operative. He was active in Hamas. He was arrested several times by the Israelis And after spending a considerable amount of his early life in prison, he realized what Hamas was all about and how it wasn't really about the people of that region. It was a religious movement. It was an Islamist religious movement that didn't care about the people. They cared about creating a caliphate, just like ISIS. He grew up in this environment, and he decided to throw it aside. He converted to Christianity, and he now serves as a Israeli operative, helping them to fight Hamas. And he's been on TV on some shows recently and they've talked to him because nobody understands Hamas more more than he does. Not these idiots who are protesting, not these idiots in Congress who think that they represent the Palestinians. This guy was Hamas 
And what does he tell us? What does he warn us about? He warns us that if we don't stop them, they will destroy every shred of Jewishness in the Middle East. And that's their goal. That's their charter. It's not to help the people. It's to eradicate Israel and the Jewish people from the Middle East. That's their goal. Anybody who supports that supports genocide because that's what they are about. These people are worse than the Nazis. And I, I don't like to use that, those terms. I don't like to dredge up Nazism, but that's the only comparison that you can make with what these animals are doing. Except that when the Nazis killed Jews, they didn't torture them. They just threw them in gas chambers or they shot them and they hid it. They hid it from the world because they knew how heinous it was and what the response of the world would be. But these Hamas animals kill women, they kill elderly, they behead children, they shoot pregnant women, they rape young girls in front of their parents, and then they kill them. And then they video these. They video these atrocities and put them out there on social media. That is far worse than what the Nazis ever did. They celebrate their savagery. And instead of being ostracized, instead of being vilified, criticized, they're being celebrated. They're being held up by these brain-dead morons all around the world who think that it's a noble cause to support Hamas. This is the upside-down reality we now find ourselves living in. The world of Muslim sympathizers has found a way to blame Israel for this mass murder. They're not calling out the murderers. They're saying Israel is to blame for this. And these people on protests around the world, they are calling the people who died on the Hamas side martyrs. They are the righteous ones. They won't address the atrocities that they perpetrated, but they quickly shift the conversation to the poor Palestinians. The PR arm for these terrorist groups are fantastic and far better than that of Israel. Because who supports Hamas? Who supports the Palestinians? It's the left. It's the left in the Middle East. It's the left around the world. It's the left in this country. You know, they had the, this recent denying of what is happened in, in Israel. People are saying, well, how do you know that these atrocities really happen. Forget about the fact that early on there were journalists, not just from Fox News, from NBC and from CBS, that were there to witness all the atrocities that these Hamas animals perpetrated. Burned out buildings, Molotov cocktails 
in in a building where they rounded up 30 children and put them in there and killed them. There were 1,400 people that these Hamas animals killed. But there needs to be proof before people will believe that this truly happened. And yet, on the other side, you've just heard about this hospital in Gaza that was bombed. And the story got out there in minutes about the Israeli airstrike on a um, Palestinian hospital in Gaza killing 500 people. It was all fabricated. This was Hamas propaganda. And instead of checking it, instead of doubting this, the media in this country, including the Wall Street Journal, ate this up. They jumped on this and and published it and swallowed this story hook, line, and sinker. Minutes after this story came out, the Israeli government said, whoa, wait a second. We didn't do this. We didn't... We didn't bomb a hospital in, in Gaza. And they put together all of their intelligence. They have audio from two Islamic jihadists from Islamic Jihad, which is another group in, that operates out of Gaza that, that, um, were talking to each other over the phone and talked about the whoopsie. Our, our missile that we just landed, that we just shot landed here in Gaza. They've got video footage. They've got drone footage. They've got everything that, that completely exonerates Israel not having anything to do with it. Not only that, but this didn't even land on a hospital. It landed in the parking lot of the hospital. So how could 500 people die? How could they know that number like within minutes of this bomb landing? Who believes Hamas? Our left media does. Not only do they believe it, but in their rush to get this story out, the New York Times took a photo of a bombed out building and put it on top of the caption. It was not even that hospital. Yet they let their readers believe that this is what happened because of Israeli aggression. And what happened because of that irresponsible reporting? It set off worldwide condemnation against the Israelis and the U.S. There were people storming our embassy in Beirut and all around the Muslim world Two leaders from the Middle East who were supposed to meet with Biden about helping to get Palestinians out of, out of, uh, Gaza refused to take the meeting with him because of this alleged bombing. Look at how everything skews against Israel from the left, from everywhere that, that wants to take a position that Israel is always the bad guy. You know, it, it bears repeating that Israel is the only Democrat nation in that part of the world. 
It's the only nation where women have rights, where gays have rights, where um, people live in a free society. Those people can't live in the Muslim world. And yet those groups support these Islamists who would just as soon see them dead after they've killed every Jew. This is this is an upside down backward world. Such an effort has been made to delegitimize Israel. <clears throat> they call it an apartheid society, which is a, an absolute you know, disgrace. And again, it shows the ignorance of people because they <laughs> that's the last thing. They are such a pluralistic nation. Not, not an apartheid society. If you want to talk about apartheid, every other area in the Middle East is an apartheid society where they've done ethnic cleansing of every aspect of Jewish life throughout the Middle East. There used to be thriving Jewish enclaves in Iran, in Iraq, in Morocco, in Algeria, in Egypt. And little by little, they have eradicated it because of ethnic cleansing. They have to get every bit of Jewishness out of the Middle East. That's that's apartheid. The, the left has turned everything around and ascribes its intentions and wrongdoing to its adversaries. We see that here. Every single thing that the left does, they attribute to people who are conservatives. It's the same game plan, same playbook with Israel. This is actually massively worse when it comes to Israel. And the reality is that this is anti-Semitism. It's anti-Semitism at its worst. And it's always existed without any justification. Anti-Israel tropes are the acceptable way of being anti-Semitic. You know, if you come out, uh, people, com- you know, they might might accuse you of being anti-Semitic, and that in and of itself would, you know, possibly harm you, especially in the U.S. up until now. But being anti-Israel, oh, that's another story. You can be anti-Israel and... And, uh, and that's totally fine. That's politically acceptable. And people don't feel so bad about their anti-Semitism when they cloak it in anti-Zionism or anti-Israel um, sentiment. But anyone who cannot make the distinction between what Hamas did in killing 1,400 people, waking them up, in the in the early morning, raping girls in front of their parents, cutting off their the heads of babies, shooting pregnant women in their womb, and hosts of unspeakable atrocities. If you cannot make the distinction between that and the deaths of Palestinians that are collateral damage because the Hamas terrorists, the Hamas animals operate out of Gaza and are using the Palestinian people, the people who live there 
as human shields. They are holding them hostage as well. So beside grabbing 200 hostages from Israel, they've got millions of hostages who are Palestinian who they're using because they don't care about them. They could give a rat's you-know-what about whether or not Palestinians die as long as they can use that as a propaganda tool to further their goals, which is to eradicate Israel and kill all the Jews. This is the warped society that is there and that we're living in. And what Hamas is, it's a danger to civilization everywhere. There's a number of indisputable and inconvenient facts about Israel bashers, uh, I'm sorry, that Israel bashers fail to acknowledge or they're just ignorant about it, especially young people, especially on the college campuses where they're being brainwashed and indoctrinated. First, first, there's never been a Palestine nation. Never. There is no nation of Palestine. The people who live there have always been and will always be Arabs. They lived in that area with Jews for millennia. But there have always been Arab massacres of Jews dating back hundreds of years in Jewish enclaves. Arab gangs have gone in and murdered Jews just like has happened in Europe for millennia with pogroms and other efforts to eradicate Jewish populations. But these massacres of Jews by Arabs goes back centuries. In the 20th century, Britain controlled this area and they named it Palestine. It was a creation of the British. It was never a country. And there were never people there who were Palestinian. The British mandate created a country where Jews and Arabs could live together. This was the British mandate. The Arabs received 80% of current-day Israel, and the Jews got 20%. The Arabs got all of the major cities at the time. They got the fertile land. They got the ports. And Israelis, or the Jews, got the scraps that were left over. But yet they made it thrive because that's what industrious people do. They bring life to the desert. And the Israelis did that. And and um, they lived together in the Jewish mandate or in the British mandate until after the Holocaust and there was a cr- outcry from the world because they felt bad about a Jewish homeland 
and uh, Israel is a traditional ancestral homeland of the Jews, and that was felt to be the area that they should go to. And so, so um, what happened in 1947 is that the United Nations agreed that the creation of the state of Israel should happen, and the British uh, they left that area. And what happened the next day? Well, the next day after Israel was granted statehood by the UN, armies from Egypt, Lebanon, Jordan, Syria, and Iraq attacked this tiny new country. And Israel prevailed. They defeated the armies of these countries. Now, Israel could have grabbed more land because to the victor belongs the spoils, but that's not what Israel is all about. They don't want conquest. They just want a place to live in peace, but that's not good enough for the um, two billion, or two, well, I'm not sure the exact number, but hundreds of millions of Arabs that live in that area and surround Israel. They want Israel gone because that tiny little speck of Jewishness it threatens that entire Arab world well since that um, first war of independence in 1947 there have been three major wars a number of minor wars or intifadas and countless countless hundreds of terrorist actions launched against Israel. There have been attempts to make peace because that's all Israel wants. They want peace. And there have been two earnest attempts to create a two-state solution, which right now I think is dead because you cannot allow people whose sole mission is the destruction of the state of Israel and the murder of all the Jews everywhere to sit side by side with you and have any kind of security, any kind of assurance that they'll live in peace with you. But every attempt that has been made to the Palestinians has been rejected. In 2005, Israel, as an olive branch, cleared out of the Gaza Strip. It was beautiful. There were hotels. There were gardens. There, it was a paradise. It was like the Riviera. And Israel handed it over to the Palestinians and said, Here, you take this. This is your self attempt or your chance for self-governance. And what happened? A year later, Hamas took over and has ruled over that Gaza Strip since 2006. And every dollar that has been sent for Palestinian aid to build roads, to build hospitals, to build infrastructure has been diverted into building terrorist tunnels and getting weapons to one day destroy Israel. 
Hamas is a terrorist organization. Hard stop. The United States government has singled them out as a terrorist organization. They're not interested in creating a Palestinian nation. Their interest is in creating a caliphate. Their charter calls explicitly for the destruction of Israel and death to all Jews. So anyone, anyone who supports Hamas is no better than someone who supports ISIS or chairs for terrorists who took down the World Trade Center. They are the same. There's no distinction. These scum don't give a damn about Palestinians. They hide behind their skirts. They hide in their houses, in their mosques, in their schools, in their hospitals, and they store weapons. They launch weapons from these places so that when Israel retaliates, there are Palestinian deaths that Hamas can use on social media to further vilify Israel. They won't let any independent news people into that area. So every piece of news we get is filtered through the Hamas um, propaganda outlets. Even Al Jazeera, the the Arab world CNN, has has um, they they verified that the Israelis did not bomb that hospital in in Gaza Strip. That that was a an errant missile from Islamic Jihad. But um, but yet that's that's the narrative that even some of our own Congress people are still are still perpetrating. The Hamas militants won't even allow the Palestinians to leave Gaza. They're taking away their ID cards and their car keys so they can't even leave Gaza City to try to cross the border at Egypt. The thing that's interesting is that the entire Arab world is against Israel and in support of the Palestinians, right? I don't think that there's any anybody who would say that there's an Arab country right now that's supporting Israel. But how come no one wants to take in the Palestinians in the Arab world? Everybody wants them thrown under the bus. They want to use them as propaganda tools, but nobody will help them. Nobody will take them in. The Egyptians won't let the the political refugees leave the Gaza Strip and enter Egypt. You have the left in this country telling us how people who come from 151 countries as political refugees can come across our southern border, no questions asked. But nobody's calling out the Egyptians for not allowing these people who are facing imminent danger to cross into their border and be safe. Instead, they want to let these people suffer 
at the hands of the Israeli invasion as collateral damage so they can use it as propaganda tools themselves. So this whole escapade has unmasked anti-Semitism all around the globe. Let me share with you some of the incidents that have happened in the last 11 days. In London, red paint was thrown at Jewish schools and a kosher restaurant was vandalized there. There's been over a 300% surge in anti-Semitic incidents across the UK in the first four days of that conflict. In Sydney, Australia, pro-Palestinian rallies are being held with people screaming out, gas the Jews. In Berlin, two petrol bombs were thrown at a synagogue there. In Paris, there is violent pro-Palestinian demonstration after the French government specifically banned such um, uh, demonstrations to take place. In Brussels, there were two stabbings. Across the Middle East, people are attacking the U.S. embassies. In the U.S., there's been over a 300% spike in anti-Semitic activity in the last 11 days. Swastikers painted on Jewish buildings in St. Louis. Palestinian rallies all across the country in the U.S. in every major city. In California, people waving Nazi flags. Subway violence against Jews in New York City. Anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism, and it's the justification for genocide, genocide against Jews. The these these Palestinian supporters accuse Israel of genocide when it is they who want to see all the Jews dead. There's an uptick in social media efforts to commit violence against Jews in the United States. And these sites are hosted by other groups that preach anti-Semitism and are exploiting this situation. Neo-Nazis and white supremacy groups, Al-Qaeda and other Islamic groups are all responsible for exploiting this situation and and promoting violence against American Jews. American Jews do not feel safe at this time. And the situation is worse when you have congressmen, U.S. congressmen, who are stoking the flames of anti-Semitism. Ilan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, um, AOC, and others in the squad, they're blaming Israel. Instead of calling out Hamas for these atrocities, they're blindly forgetting how this started. And they are saying that Hamas was justified and they are equating Hamas with Palestinians. Failing to call them out is so despicable because they're failing in their duties as U.S. congressmen to call out a known terrorist group. Not only are they failing, but they are perpetrating lies. 
Rashida Tlaib is leading rallies saying things that are bold-faced, blatant lies. She's perpetrating the lie about the Israelis bombing the hospital in Gaza when she knows it's a lie and she knew it before anybody because she was privy to intelligence that Congress is, is getting. And yet she goes out there and purposely stokes the flames of anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism and she is in part responsible for what's happening worldwide and domestically. The violence that is occurring is on their hands. They've got blood on their hands. The people who are doing this in Congress should be sanctioned. They should be thrown off every committee that they're on. They can't be necessarily thrown out of Congress, but they can be neutered. They can be reduced to a non-Congressperson status. But we can't do that right now because we've got such a freaking dysfunctional government that doesn't even have a speaker because you get idiots in the House, eight stupid jerks who have thrown the country, the Republican Party, into chaos. We need to get a speaker so that these abhorrent individuals could be sanctioned and and censured. These people who are at pro-Hamas rallies are celebrating the murder of over a th- over fourteen hundred Israelis, and it's okay for them uh, because these people who've been murdered are Jews. So that's okay. It doesn't really matter. Look at their flyers that they have at these rallies. They have produced a logo with a motorized hang glider on it. The same kind of hang gliders that the terrorists, the Hamas terrorists, used to enter Israel. They're using that as a rallying cry. They think that's the greatest thing that happened. Those hang gliders with motorized um, bikes that they use to then um, drive around and, and murder Israelis. They use that as a symbol, a sign of strength, a sign of power, of, of the Palestinian power of what they were able to accomplish. And what about the people who are foreign nationals in this country who are demonstrating in support of Hamas? According to Senator Tom Cotton, our federal law states that foreign nationals who support or endorse terrorist activity requires them to be deported. And he wrote a letter to DHS Secretary Mayorkas stating as such. It remains to be seen if they'll actually do that. But that's what our laws say. They are breaking the law, and we're allowing that to happen. Tom Cotton says that he especially wants this done to anyone who is who carries an alien student visa because the college campuses are the breeding ground they are the incubator of all this they are the fifth column he says for this islamic revolution in the united states
Getting back to the squad, these individuals have shown no concern for the 30 murdered Americans or the 20 American hostages. I haven't heard them saying boo about that, and they've got an obligation to serve not just their constituents, but America as a whole, and they're not doing that. Is it because these people who were murdered and kidnapped are Jewish? I have a feeling that that's exactly the reason they're not speaking out. They show more concern for the Palestinian Americans who are trapped in Gaza, who can't get out, than these murdered Americans or kidnapped Americans from Israel. Let's discuss next the disgrace. That's the American college campus today. Across the country, there are pro-Hamas rallies. And this is what they are. Don't call them pro-Palestinian rallies. Call it what you will, but they are pro-Hamas rallies. They are pro-Hamas rallies. They're anti-Israel rallies. They're anti-Jewish rallies. Whatever you want to call them, they're all the same. You have a mixture of pro-Muslim, anti-Jewish foreign nationals intermixed with college kids who think they know everything, but clearly do not. They know nothing. And they are being incited by leftist professors who indoctrinate them with hate, with lies, with call to action. They're poisoning their malleable brains because they don't know any better, these kids. And they swallow it up, and they believe it, and then they go out there, the fifth column. These universities have been an incubator for this demonic witch's brew for decades. Over this time, the Saudis have poured between a half and one billion dollars into Middle East study programs across campuses throughout the United States with one purpose, one purpose only, and that is to indoctrinate our young people and to poison their minds, poison up the minds of our youth who eat up this crap and accept it as facts, just like the facts that are being disseminated by the Hamas propaganda wing. And then there are the professors who stoke the flames of hate and the universities that allow this to happen. And it's no wonder why Jewish college students feel threatened. It's no wonder why people feel that university education today is a disgrace and it is a shell of what it used to be. The university presidents are allowing this to happen right under their noses. Some of them are sheepishly issuing statements now stating that, quote, there is no place for anti-Semitism in their university, but only because the donor community has had enough of this. A Cornell professor appeared at a pro-Palestinian rally this week and referred to Hamas's butchery as, quote, exhilarating and energizing, end quote. A Columbia political scientist um, Joseph Massad described the attack on Israel as awesome and a major achievement for the resistance. A Stanford instructor was suspended after he singled out the Jewish students in his class. He asked them to raise their hand. And then he accused them of being colonizers. He downplayed the number of people who actually died in the Holocaust. And then he banished these Jewish students to the corner of a room. 
An Emory assistant professor at the medical school has been placed on administrative leave pending an internal investigation for for posting anti-Semitic comments on a social media account. On Georgia Tech, staying local here in town, um, the Jewish fraternity, A.E. Pi, had pro-Palestinian messages written on the walls of their of their um, fraternity house. A big explosion came when a coalition of 30 student groups posted an open letter on the night of the Hamas attack at Harvard, saying that Israel was entirely responsible for the violence that ended up killing more than 1,400 people, mostly civilians. After this despicable act, former Harvard president and former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers criticized the Harvard leadership for allowing this to happen, for delaying a response, and um, and uh, and and for uh, apparently supporting the students. But it took Bill Ackman former Harvard student, billionaire hedge fund founder, to ask for the names of the students involved with these organizations who issued this letter so that he and other CEO friends and others in his 800,000 followers on social media would know who not to hire coming out of Harvard. Another billionaire couple quit their Harvard executive board and another big money donor pulled money out for fellowships. Now, this finally got Harvard's president, Claudine Gay, to issue a statement saying that the university condemns terrorist attacks, but only issuing a statement and not before all this pressure was applied. The names of many of the students were released and these, quote, poor students who made who took no responsibility for their actions, they claim that they're now suffering because their futures might be ruined over the positions that they embraced. They have turned this around and claimed that they're the victims, and they're now setting up a GoFundMe page for the mental health counseling that they need because they've been doxxed for their actions. It's so funny. The left is great at doxing people on the right and ostracizing them. But when the tables are turned, all of a sudden, this is no longer fair play. And these college activities are not unique to Harvard or to the Ivy League. It's happened at UCLA, at City College in New York, at University of Virginia, which appalls me because my money went there and to Penn, where my wife's money went. She was a Penn graduate. Donors are pushing for the resignation of Penn President Elizabeth McGill, who needed multiple attempts to issue a forceful statement. She found her moral compass only after mega-donors like Ronald Lauder, the heir to the Estee Lauder um, empire, who is also former... Uh, ambassador to several countries and the president of the World Jewish Congress, he said that they were these donors were closing their checkbooks to Penn and urging other philanthropists to do the same. Now, Lauder has given 
tens of millions of dollars, maybe hundreds of million to Penn to establish the Louder Institute on the campus of Penn. No longer. These, these leaders, these um, philanthropists are done with college campuses and people are waking up and seeing what a disgrace they really are, allowing these places to be incubators for, for terrorist thought. Last thing, last two things, safety in the U.S. and Iran. The thing that I fear the most, the thing that I am certain about is that just as there are attacks that are attempting to destroy Israel, we are facing another 9-11 here in the U.S. It is September 10th here in the United States, and people are asleep at the wheel. It's incited by this conflict, but it has been perpetrated by the open border policies of Joe Biden. Our border is a sieve. It's open. And bad actors are coming across our southern border. Also our northern border, surprisingly, and I'll tell you about that in a couple minutes. But there are no, there's no doubt, no doubt, there are terrorist cells all across the United States. It's guaranteed. In the past 10 days, individuals from following countries have been apprehended at our southern border by border control. Ready for this? Afghanistan, Algeria, Bahrain, Bangladesh, Egypt, Indonesia, Iran, Iraq, Jordan, Kazakhstan, Kuwait, Lebanon, Libya, Malaysia, Morocco, North Korea, Oman, Pakistan, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, Tajikistan, Tunisia, Turkey, Uzbekistan, and Yemen within the last 10 days. You don't think that there are cells here in this country from the gotaways? Are you kidding me? Since the start of fiscal 2023, 151 non-U.S. citizens were apprehended who were on the FBI terror watch list. We don't know about the gotaways. There are an estimated 1.5 million gotaways. The northern border is a problem too. There were 429 people who came through the northern border who were on the FBI terror watch list that were detained by Border Patrol. So what will set off the next 9-11 here? It all begins in Israel. Does Israel have the right to stop another massacre of Jews in its country? What would happen if those Hamas savages were not stopped in the South? Is there any doubt in anyone's mind that they would not have traveled north, killing as many people as possible, maybe thousands, tens of thousands? How could anyone fault Israel for trying to prevent anything like that again? Would anyone in this country stop until the threat against our country was neutralized if that happened here? Of course not. So why is it different with the Israelis? Because they're Jews. So what happens when Israel marches into Gaza? Does Hezbollah join the fight? And by the way, Hezbollah is 
is um, just as bad as Hamas. And both of them, Hamas and Hezbollah, are are proxies for Iran. They are both armed by Iran, they're funded by Iran, and they get their marching orders from Iran. Everything starts in Iran. The Iranians are behind all of this, and they have been allowed to thrive thanks to the Obama policies and the Biden administration. They've made us vulnerable to Iran. They've given them billions of dollars, the Obama plane with pallets of money, billions of dollars. Recently, we gave them billions of dollars in exchange for people that Iran kidnapped who were Americans. And then we released another $6 billion that our administration can't get themselves to say is money that Iran is able to free up from other sources and devote this money that we get let freed up for them to humanitarian purposes. They're saying, oh no, it was their money. We just froze it. And now we're giving it back to them. That's bull. They, they should not be allowed to get that money. They're propping up all of, of these proxies. We've also helped to enable this by shutting down our energy sector and propping, propping up the price of oil, which the Iranians are, are benefiting from. We've relaxed sanctions on their nuclear program. So they're very close to being able to produce nuclear grade enriched uranium. We had a Biden envoy, Rob Malley, a Biden envoy to Iran who just lost his security clearance for reasons that they've not yet made public. We don't know except that he has, quote, mishandled classified information. What kind of classified information could he have mishandled as the Iranian envoy for the U.S.? This is, this, he was involved in Iran's, trying to curb Iran's nuclear program. Iran is stronger today than ever, thanks to the current and former Democratic presidents. So if Israel is attacked on two fronts, what happens? Well, I don't know. I'm not a military strategist, but I think that their ground forces and naval forces level Gaza. Their air force completely annihilates southern Lebanon. But then what? Iran joins the fight. And what happens if Iran joins the fight? Can I, can Israel combat three fronts? I don't think so. So what do you think the Israelis will do if their very existence is threatened? What do you think they will do? What would we do if Russia launched a nuclear missile or nuclear missiles on the U.S.? Do you think we would let it hit and then engage in diplomacy because that's what everybody's calling for Israel to do to cease fire and engage in diplomacy that's not going to work and if Iran attacks Israel I don't see any way that Israel won't use one of their 120 nuclear weapons or more than one nuclear weapon to destroy Iran and their their ex- very existence 
is is at risk and they're not go- if it's a, a matter of dropping a bomb in Iran or facing annihilation I don't think that there's a choice unless the US comes through with bunker busters to allow the Israelis to take out the Iranian nuclear facilities I think that's the only way that we stop a nuclear Iran so when Iran enters the fray what do you think happens in the US? What do you think will happen when these sleeper cells are activated? Is that what it's going to take for Americans to finally wake up to finally acknowledge that the real enemy is Muslim extremism? It has not gone away. They have lulled the world into a sense of security because there's been relative peace for quite some time. But they are geared up. They are prepared. They play the long game. And we have very short memories here in the U.S. and in Israel. Israel was on the verge of having relations with Saudi Arabia. It's no surprise that these attacks happened on the cusp of having diplomatic relations with Saudi Arabia. Well, that's been shattered, and now we are facing a new reality. So I, I can't think about health care issues these days. I'm sorry, because I am absolutely heartbroken and sickened by what is going on right now and what I'm seeing. And I'll try to get back with you in the next show and get back on track. But thank you for being with us today and allowing me to share my views on on this uh, subject. And I want to remind everyone about our upcoming meeting that I uh, mentioned at the beginning of the show, March 14th to 16th in 2024 in Orlando for direct primary care. It is an absolute must um, for any doctor, any medical student, anybody who wants to um, engage in the uh, direct care movement, which is gaining speed and um, and uh, this meeting is going to be like none other. It will have um, a great keynote speaker uh, in Marty McCary, and it will um, uh, have uh tutorials in uh in practice management and how to set up a direct practice model. So thanks for being with us and I will be back in the uh behind the microphone in two weeks. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 